on the clock. Uh, we did rounds one through five last week. We're going to do rounds th six through ten here today. Uh, before we get to that point, though, we're going to talk about some recent news that's happened since Sunday. First, uh, we'll start with the most recent news coming out today about Melvin Gordon. Looks like that the holdout expected to continue into the season. Is he is he draftable in the first four rounds right now? Is he draftable in the first five rounds at this point? I personally am not touching him. Um, was talking to was talking to Helm today, a guy in our league who is not in a great position for this year anyway. Our league is a year-over-year -year league. It's got tradable draft picks. He went all in last year. He's kind of pushed all his chips into next year now because he, he was already behind the ball here for this year. And I was talking about if Melvin Gordon fell, you know, all the way to the fifth round where he kind of has a few picks, you know, like maybe he should just go ahead and take him and hope that he has value next year. And that's just kind of where I'm at on it. I, I, don't, I don't think that I'm going to be looking to draft him. Yeah, I, I don't – I. As much as I love to take the risk, at some point, you just got to let someone else do it. And, and I, I, don't, I don't think that – I think sixth round at this point, I mean, you're looking at a guy that's likely to miss six to eight games. Because at this point, I don't see him signing. And like I said last – I said it last week, and I think this just confirms that he's not going to sign until he has to. Well, in the, his camp saying they're still waiting – for basically that first call right. from the Chargers. Right, yeah, they so there's, they're not anywhere. Uh, so moving on, uh, Antonio Brown, we, he kind of punked us. He punked us last week. Right after we said that he was going to be showing up for camp, about an hour after we did the podcast, he came out and said that he was not going to – he filed another grievance, and then you know the next day he walked out of camp when the helmets came on, and then finally he came back and showed up. If he shows up and he plays uh, – Easy early, you know, late second round, early third round pick, maybe even a mid second round pick. The talent's there. Is he too much of a headache? Uh, um, I mean, just definitely depends on your uh, tolerance for ambiguity, as Jerry Jones would say. And he's a guy, like we said last week, that can still lead the league in receiving. And honestly, you know, with with some question marks at other wide receivers and just things like that, and the upside, I, I'm. I'm looking at him. I'm looking at him. I'm considering him for sure. I definitely am too. I, I if I can get a hold of Antonio Brown, I think it would really uh, upgrade any of my teams. Just because you're talking about a guy that has top three talent, yeah. and I could possibly get him in the the late second round, early third round. That's a steal. Uh, I'll take that any day of the week. Other news, uh, just to touch on it. Noah Fant, a rookie tight end for the Broncos, looks like he's going to be ready for Week One. He's impressed in camp as a blocker and a receiver. So. You know, uh, again, you know, we, we're going to talk about tight ends today, but after the first six, there's a real toss-up, and, and tight ends are going to be a kind of a topic of discussion today. Rookie tight ends traditionally are not the guys you want to reach on, but we do have a couple good ones in Fant and Hawkinson, both in pretty good sit in situations where I think they can get used. But again, it, it's it's not likely that a rookie tight end uh, makes an immediate impact no. in the fantasy. And and you think about. I mean, Noah Fant, I mean, the, the quarterback there, Joe Flacco, I mean, you just think two years past, and I mean, you know, he, Dennis Pitta was, was a big guy for him. He's a guy that, that seems to have who seems to have liked to use his tight ends in the past. So there could be something there, but honestly, I'm taking a cautious approach to the Broncos offense. Especially when, when they, have, they have guys like Cortland Sutton, Deshaun Hamilton, Emmanuel Sanders, which is our next thing. Emmanuel Sanders came back. 
uh, on Tuesday uh, after we did the podcast on Sunday. Uh, are are you looking at Emmanuel Sanders late, uh, late in drafts? Uh, absolutely. I don't know how high. I don't know how high he could climb. I mean, I know he's currently probably really late in the teens. I haven't looked at his ADP, but. I saw that you know him and Joe Flacco got to connect on a bomb. Uh, I think it was called back on a flag, but I mean, he doesn't look like he's missed a step at all, and it just had a tremendous recovery from that Achilles. Last week we talked about Marlon Mack uh, in in our the last of our on the clock uh, in round five. Marlon Mack, Chris Carson. Since then, Marlon Mack, it looks like he's he's getting some work as a uh, in the in the passing game. Looks like he might end up being a three down guy. Does he pass Car- Car- uh, Chris Carson on your on your list there? Or are you still going with Chris Carson over Marlon Mack? No, right now I- I'm still going with Chris Carson over Marlon Mack, and it's just out of the question marks in in Indianapolis. I mean, you know, with Andrew Luck at this point, even if he is healthy for Week One, you know, quote quote unquote healthy. Yeah, we don't. I mean, we you're don't just ever know. you're just waiting. You're just waiting for him to tweak something and then just be limited all year, or them to shut him down if things aren't going well, and that's just. There's a lot of risk there, and I, I think that when you've got somebody as durable as Russell Wilson leading the offense, that you, you'd rather just have, have Chris Carson. Speaking of that offense, that Seattle Seahawks offense, we're going to touch on it a little bit more later. DK Metcalf did have surgery. Seems now like he's not going to miss too much time. Could be an A.J. Green type situation where he misses a couple weeks. Uh, there's even some hope that he might not miss any time, but, but I think he'll definitely miss a couple weeks. Uh, but again, we'll talk about that more later. Also, Carlos Hyde, another thing we'll touch on later. Uh, he's left off the roster pro- projection again for the Chiefs. Not necessarily surprising, but it is something of, of interest for fantasy owners out there. That um, and, and it's not about Damian Williams. So again, we'll, we'll get more on that later. Ronald Jones dealing with swelling in his knee. Uh, you know, the, the, the Buccaneers backfield could be a, a quality own in fantasy football. And really, Peyton Barber has actually been not bad. He's been a good bye week fill-in at times, but you know how much they want Ronald Jones to come to. They spent a second-round pick on him last year, and he just he was awful last year. And then now he's got this swelling in his knee, and it just looks like that, uh, that Buccaneers backfield is still waiting on someone to emerge as a as a top flight guy and I think that they could be a fantasy relevant player if they could get a guy to be uh to step up in that backfield talk about a dream scenario for fantasy if the Chargers could trade Melvin Gordon to the Buccaneers oh boy a great situation that could be that would be scary it, it would never happen there's no talks of that or anything just that's just me daydreaming uh other news, last one we're going to touch on. Uh, Demarius Thomas activated from the PUP list for the Patriots. I forgot he was even with the Patriots. But yeah. I'm not so sure that I think he's fantasy relevant, but does it does this have an effect on on Julian Edelman, on Josh Gordon? Uh, he's, a, he's a red zone threat. Does this hurt Sony Michelle, who we're going to talk about in just a second? But w- what do you think about Demarius Thomas getting in here? Not much. I don't think much about it at all. Um, we'll see. We'll see what happens. I mean, it, it really just doesn't worry me at all. I mean, sure, situationally, he could come in and make some things happen, but I don't even know that he has, you know, 30 catches for him. 
That's going to lead us into our first round of the On the Clock segment. This is round six. The way we're doing this, round six and seven, there's a lot of, of – it's really going to depend on your roster makeup. You could be going for a tight end here. You could be going for a quarterback. You could be going for – another receiver, another running back filling that flex spot. And that's what we're going to look at first. So we're going to look at about four different scenarios here. The first one, you're trying to fill that flex spot. Uh, early, early sixth round, you've got Sony Michelle, Tevin Coleman, and Calvin Ridley in front of you. Three guys who have, definitely have a lot of upside and have a little bit of proven ability uh, in their game. Tyler, I'm going to start with Sony Michelle. Uh, because I think this Demarius Thomas news is going to affect him. What the Patriots do well is utilize uh, the strengths of their players. Demarius Thomas is an elite red zone target, at least he has been in his career. I think if there's any place that they're going to use him and find value in him, it's in the red zone, which hurts Sony Michelle. Sony Michelle doesn't catch passes. Uh, he, he was I hardly ever used in the passing game, and he was very valuable because he was their their short yardage red zone running back. And if he loses a couple of those carries to targets to Demarius Thomas, then I'm not so sure that he has as much value as he had last year, especially with them adding Damian Harris as well. And we all know James White. Again, we've talked about how underrated he is and how in a PPR league, James White always puts up points. But what are your thoughts there on, on Sony Michelle? Let me just start off with a few notes that I jotted down whenever we had talked about the players we're going to discuss. Um, for Sonny Michelle here, um, one of the things I wrote down is we'll get the goal line work. And you're absolutely right that if Demarius Thomas comes in and even gets some of the red zone work, that it takes away from basically the main thing that Sonny Michelle can offer. Um, I mean, he's probably not even the second option on passing downs for them. And he's just got the health concerns. And, and that's really – that's really just something that something that bothers me, and I, I, I'm, I'm not really in on Sonny Michelle at all this year. I, I don't think I am either, especially with the, like you said, with the knee, the, the knee concern, and not, you know, we're never going to hear a lot coming out of, uh, out of New England. I want to uh, move on to Tevin Coleman, Calvin Ridley. Where are you going there, Tyler? Well, I'll tell you now, Sonny Michelle obviously being my third-ranked guy out of these three, um, Tevin Coleman's going to be my two. Um, I mean, there's no McKinnon. He's starting the year off on the uh, on the IR. Um, he, uh, you know, there's questions at wide receivers, and he's the only guy there really making money. So, I mean, I, I definitely think he's going to get the first shot at it. Yeah, Tevin Coleman is definitely – my guy, I, I'm I'm 100% in on Tevin Coleman. I think in the sixth round, you're getting a great value, especially with Jarek McKinnon being out. I, I think that even if Matt Breida, and, and I think that Matt Breida will have use, we'll, we'll talk more about that later. I, I don't think Matt Breida is out of the picture, but I do believe that Tevin Coleman is going to be have a successful season. You know, he, he knows the Kyle Shanahan offense. We've seen what Kyle Shanahan can do with a, an RB, with a running back one. He did it with Devonte Freeman. He's uh, he he, he Devonte Freeman under Shanahan had over a thousand yards and at least seven touchdowns in in his seasons with with Shanahan. And I think that we could very easily see that happen for Tevin Coleman. 
I don't, when it comes to Calvin Ridley, I don't trust his consistency. I think that Calvin Ridley is an, an immensely talented player. I think that he's going to have opportunities, but I don't think that he is consistent enough. He, he got most of his touchdowns over a span of, of a few games. Was not uh, there was games he did not even show up um, <laughs> that I don't think he even had a catch. Uh, in I'm gonna come at I'm gonna come at you here. It, he is gonna come at me, but I I, I don't really care because you can't really convince me that Calvin Ridley is consistent. You can tell me that his upside is there, and on a week to week basis, Calvin Ridley could easily have more points than all three of these guys than than the other than the other two. But I think in a yearly basis, Tevin Coleman is gonna be your consistent guy that is. If something were to happen to your, your running backs or, or one of your flex guys and you've got to depend on Tevin Coleman year-round, I've got no problem with that. Tell me, tell me what you think uh, Tevin Coleman what – what do you think his projections are for this year? Like, uh, like yourself, just kind of like what, 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 are your, uh, what are you expecting? I, I'm expecting somewhere in the uh, – probably 1,000 to 1,100 yards rushing, uh, probably around three to 400 yards receiving – and I, I I would be shocked if he doesn't have ten total touchdowns. Okay. All right. Um, so we are talking half PPR here. So while I will concede that Tevin Coleman will likely have more total yards, obviously, than Calvin Ridley, uh, based on that. But uh, Calvin Ridley's going to have way more receptions. And I was looking. I was looking at last year's. Last year's uh, targets and receptions for uh, Calvin Ridley, he ranked third on the team in targets last year. That's obviously going to change. He's go- he's going to take over. He's going to have the second second most targets on that team. Mohamed Sanu is going to move back to third. Uh, he had 92 targets last year, and he caught 64 of them. I think Mohamed Sanu had 94 targets or something and caught 66 of them or something pretty similar. And they were close in yards, too. Obviously, there's going to be touchdown regression for Calvin Ridley, for sure. But, I mean, I expect him to get over 100 targets this year. Um, I mean, he's already at 92, increasing that at all. I mean, he's going to be over 100 targets. I expect him to push 75, 80 receptions. And, I mean, based off of 821 yards from what he had last year, I don't see any reason why he couldn't why he couldn't break 1,000 himself. Well, I... I- I think that when you look at what he's going, what he's got to compete with there, you've got Julio Jones, Muhammad Sue, you mentioned both of them. Austin Hooper gets used. Devonta Freeman gets used out of the backfield. And Tyler, don't forget, it's an odd year. Oh, so Matt Ryan's Matt gonna be Ryan, down. it's it's going to be down. I, I mean, historically, he's down, I, and and I, he's got to prove me wrong. But <laughs> he's I, not a guy that I look at, anyways. But I mean, it is true. I don't know that I, 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 it might just be. Dumb luck and coincidental, but that is that is a true stat. So uh, we'll we'll see how it plays out. I, I I just don't I don't trust Calvin Ridley's consistency. I think that, and I think you know I wouldn't be I would in no way be surprised if after week one we're sitting here and Tyler's saying, "Oh, look at Calvin Ridley at 120 yards and two touchdowns. Good for you." And I wouldn't be shocked if after week two I'm saying, "Oh, Calvin Ridley, 10 yards, one reception, no touchdowns, you know, three targets." I I think that he's just very volatile. Um, you don't know what, what you're going to get on a week-to-week basis with him, and I think that that continues into this year. All right, hey, well, barring injury, I think that, uh, I think that Calvin Ridley is going to score more fantasy points than uh, Tevin Coleman. How about that? Oh, you, you want to put a little, little wager down? Yeah, what are you, what are you thinking? Uh, let's see. What's, uh, 
The uh, losers got to run, run uh, three miles with your shirt off. <laughs> All right. That's interesting in the win- it's going to be the winter. Interesting it's, place it's, to it's take gonna, it, but uh, I'm, I'm in. It's going right. to be the winter. I know we're in Texas, so it ain't that cold, but All right. three we'll, miles. We'll, we'll shake on that. That's, right that's a handshake deal right there. You guys heard it. So when Tyler has to run at the end of the year, you said barring injury, right? Yeah, of course. Okay. For, for either one of them, yeah. So, I mean, they both have to play their full slate of games in order for this to happen. I'm, I'm okay with that. Let's move on. This is the one I'm most interested in. So, we've mentioned many times uh, just in our two episodes about the tight end depth this year and how the, the depth of tight end is not what you would expect in the modern NFL. Uh, in terms of fantasy relevancy, there, there is lots of gr- good tight ends out there, and you'd love to have them on your team if you're just a fan. You know, as a Cowboys fan, I, I like our set of tight ends. I like Jason Witten. I like Jeff Swain. Um, <laughs> I mean, they're good for actual football. Right. But, but in terms of <laughs> fantasy production, you know, we're not looking at those guys. In terms of fantasy production, we've got the big three. We've got Travis Kelsey, Zach Ertz, and George Kittle. And then we've got the next three, and that is Evan Ingram, O.J. Howard, Hunter Henry. If you wanted to, you could squeeze Vance McDonald in there, but I don't think he's quite at these threes, three guys' level. This is, this is a, a big decision for me. It's something that I've looked at uh, a lot. I think this is where I am most likely to take a tight end. I think in our league of washed up, uh, the, the league of washed up pass men's we've talked about, I've got multiple uh, picks in the first, first four rounds, first three rounds. In that draft, I could be looking at a guy like Travis Kelsey, but most likely where I'm getting a tight end in all my leagues, especially redraft leagues, is going to be around the sixth or seventh round, and I'm looking at these three guys. I've had Evan, I had Evan Ingram two years in a row now, and I like Evan Ingram. Yep. Um, I, I'll go ahead. I'm going to go ahead and put this one out there now. I'm out on Hunter Henry. I think of the three of these. I understand that you look at, was it 2017, Hunter Henry looked like he was ready to break out and be the next Gronk, be the next Travis Kelsey, be in that, that realm of players. I don't think you come back from the injury he's been, been dealing with, especially with in that time how Mike Williams has, has established himself as such a huge red zone threat. I there, think that takes away from Hunter Henry. There's, there's no doubt that Hunter Henry will be the third option. Um, I mean, when it comes to the red zone, I mean, he's obviously going to get most of his looks as they get closer. I mean, with no Melvin Gordon, though, is what I'm looking at, and that's just more red zone opportunity to go around. And so I think that when you look at tight end and just what you're usually dealing with, you're going to be more than happy to get a guy like Hunter Henry. Now, when it comes up to these other two, I mean, Evan Ingram's the only one of these three that fit – one of the main criteria that I've said that, that I think would make an elite tight end, and that's do they have the opportunity to lead their team in targets? Um, Evan Ingram's the only one of these guys that, he is. that, that can and do that. Especially with Sterling Shepard dealing with injury. I mean, who's next on the you know Golden Tate's out four games, and you got, what, Cody Latimer in New York? It, it'll, it'll be Evan Ingram and Saquon Barkley, and then whoever's left, whoever's left will, uh, will be in there. I think that what scares me about Evan Ingram is he's shockingly, despite his skill set, he's not very vertical. He's, he, his average depth of targets not very, uh, very high, 
and he's more of a he's been catching passes close to the line of scrimmage. If they start to use him up the seam more and start to try to stretch defenses with his athletic skill set, I, I think this is a no-brainer. But I think that that's one of those things that holds me back on Evan Ingram. Another thing that holds me back on Evan Ingram is quarterbacks Eli Manning. Eli Manning folds like a lawn chair when anybody gets near him. So that's part of the reason I would think that Evan Ingram doesn't get up the seam and down the field as much as you would want him to because there's just not enough time for that route to develop. So Eli Manning's just not going to risk taking a hit. And even if Eli Manning gets knocked out and Daniel Jones gets in, I don't know. I I just don't know what that means. I I think it's great. I actually think it's great for – I think it's great for the Giants' offense if Daniel Jones takes over, and I think it's great for Evan Ingram if Daniel Jones takes over. Because Daniel Jones, contrary to popular belief, he uses his legs. Uh, he, he had over, I think, 1,300 rushing yards in his career at Duke. Uh, the, the, guy, the guy runs, he, and he uses his legs, and that's, that is exactly – there is no time with Eli Manning, and it's not just because the Giants' O-line is no good. It's because Eli Manning, you've got four seconds. He's not getting out of the pocket. He's not going to make something happen for you. And I think it does take, make it harder for routes to develop. And, and you know, the only other, other knock that Evan Ingram had on him after his rookie year was his, he had a, a number of dropped passes. But his drop, drop rate went down by almost, I think, 7 or 8% uh, last year. And, and you got to think that as he grows in maturity in this league, he's going to get better about the drops. I want to point out uh, uh, one fact, and that's that he, had, he averaged .38 points per route last year. His counterpart in this round, O.J. Howard, averaged .48 points per route, which was fifth by only four-tenths of a, of a point. Uh, Travis Kelsey averages .52 uh, points per route. It, it makes this decision hard because O.J. Howard is also immensely talented. They came in the league at the same time, and you know Evan Ingram obviously much more heralded than O.J. Howard at the time. But... This is a tough. This is a tough, tough choice for me between Ingram and Howard. The difference between Ingram and Howard is Ingram has the opportunity to lead his team in targets. Howard does not. No. But I think that Howard has the upside of an offense that's going to have more plays. It's going to have more targets available. They did lose Deshaun Jackson and Adam Humphreys. Mike Evans dealing with an injury right now, but not. Anything that Bruce Arians thinks is serious, it's a quad injury, uh, should, shouldn't have any problem being ready week one. Well, let me just let me just break this down for you here. Sean Jackson had about 75 uh, targets last year. Um, Adam Humphreys had another so – he, I think he had more than that. All together, and I'm factoring in that I think that Cameron Bray – takes another step down as he has the last few years in terms of usage. They're going to continue to work O.J. Howard in more. There's going to be damn near 200 targets that have to be redistributed somewhere else. And I, I'm expecting – I mean, O.J. Howard, I, I, don't, I, don't, I don't remember you, exactly You don't think Cameron Bray will, will have an effect on O.J. Howard? I, I think it'll be as small as it's been. Um, it, it, it'll it'll be the smallest effect that there is. I mean, in the red zone, maybe. But, I mean, O.J. Howard, you saw several times last year. I mean, the long plays. I mean, Jameis will heave that ball down the field. I, I just – I think that – I mean, O.J. Howard's my number one guy out of these three, uh, for sure. And I expect him to get 
around 80, maybe even close to 90 targets. Uh, I mean, Godwin and Evans are going to blow him out of the water in terms of targets. They're both going to be, obviously, Mike Evans will be well over 100. Mike Evans is going to be close to 150 targets, and Godwin will be well over 100. But O.J. Howard is going to step up and be that. He he was probably the fifth targeted guy last year. I mean, there was Humphreys and D-Jack in front of him, and I'd, I'd have to go back and look, but... He was he was low on the totem pole and he wasn't used that much and I think that they're going to step up this year and he he's a guy all three of these guys I think can break 800 yards pretty easily and they're they're obviously all going ADP wise right around the top five or in the top five right around there so they all are likely to yield that but it just depends on health I mean Hunter Henry he's my it, I'll tell you, Evan Ingram's my my three. Cause wow. Questions at quarterback. I just don't know, man. I don't know about that offense. I don't know about all that's going on. I know that he does fine without Odell Beckham. Um, I'm just I'm not sold on their offense. He, 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 he's to me, he's easily the most talented of the three. Yeah, I, I think that I think OJ Howard has him athletic, you know, athleticism wise. OJ Howard's kind of. A freak, and Evan Ingram's a great athlete for sure. I think OJ Howard's the most athletic. Obviously, I think Evan Ingram has, yes, the most. Skill. No, I'm saying that I think. Well, you think that that OJ Howard's more athletic than Evan Ingram? I think so. I understand that OJ Howard's an athletic freak, but so is Evan Ingram. No, oh, uh, his spark testing NFL, was incredible really. coming into the, <laughs> in the into the NFL. Uh, I want to throw this out there though. Eleven point three points per game. 12.1 points per game last season. Who was who? Well, I'm assuming that uh, Evan Ingram is going to be the 12-point-whatever. Wrong. Ingram. No? O.J. Howard averaged 12.1 points per game that he played. Evan Ingram averaged 11.3 points per game but that OJ he Howard played. But O.J. Howard did miss some time. So did Evan Ingram. Uh, the injuries, I think, is a big thing for all three of these guys. Yeah. I'm going to have to – I think that if – it's going to come down to this for me. I'm big on Chris Godwin. I think that odds are I'm going to get Chris Godwin in a lot of my leagues. If I have Chris Godwin, I'm taking Evan Ingram. Absolutely. yeah. You don't, I don't want to have to deal with the competition of I hope these guys both and Mike Evans you know, all blow up in the same week. Not a fun game to play. And, and so if I have Chris Godwin, which I do plan to have Chris Godwin, then I'm, I'm going to take Evan Ingram. If I don't... I think I'm going to go with O.J. Howard because of the upside there. And at tight end, at a position where, at the end of the day, the tight end position is not as as great as it once was. So I, I think the floor for all three of these guys is the same. I think all three of these guys could sit somewhere in the 7 to 10 points per game range. But I think O.J. Howard could be sitting in that 13 to 14 points per game range, which would put him in the top four of, of tight ends. And I'm going to miss all three of these guys in all of my drafts, honestly, because that's just not what I do. Um, there will be a run on tight ends. It'll probably be way before I'm comfortable. Um, so, I mean, I'm not too concerned about that. I, I think Hunter Henry with no Antonio Gates, no no Melvin Gordon there. I mean, he's going to get a ton of red zone looks. Um, I definitely just think that O.J. Howard is is going to really break out this year. And, and so let's Let's move on to what – Another position group that you could be looking at in this 6th to 7th round area here, and that's quarterbacks. 
Uh, I think Tyler and I will both agree we're probably not going to take a quarterback here. Uh, it would take I, – I don't see any scenario really where I'm going to take a quarterback here or where you are, but we understand that uh, a lot of you might see that as, as valuable. Your draft strategy and odds are you're going to be choosing between three guys. That's Deshaun Watson, Aaron Rodgers, and my boy Baker Mayfield. Baker, if you're listening out there, come He's join not. us on the show. He's not. I'm a big fan, <laughs> Boomer Sooner. Uh, all you UT fans, y'all, y'all know Baker Mayfield well. He tore you up there a few times. <laughs> Boy, you um, better watch it. What do you What do you think? I don't about, mind alienating Longhorn fans. What, out there. what do you think about him? Uh, him taking the bait and GQ coming Man, out. I mean, you know the media is just out there trying to make Baker look bad. Baker, he reached out to Daniel Jones. They're cool. Baker, he speaks his mind, man. That's why I love Baker. Baker says what's on his mind. He backs it up. He, he's not ashamed. A he's not a, a bad guy. Teammates love him. Great leader. I, I take Baker Mayfield as my quarterback over almost any other quarterback in the NFL. Hey, anybody that can grab a Miller Lite, bite it open, and shotgun it has my respect. So. Yeah, you, you can't uh, – He's the king of Cleveland right now. He is. Get out he's, of here, he's, LeBron. He's they, don't, large. they don't need LeBron anymore. They're not missing LeBron right now. They got Baker. Old news. But is Baker better than Deshaun Watson and Aaron, Aaron mm, Rodgers? Not even close. Not, no, he's not. Okay. He's, and, and here's the deal. Here, Baker is going early, not because – and I love Baker. And I think Baker is going to be a phenomenal quarterback. I, I think he's going to be uh, – a starter in the NFL for many years. I think he has the potential to lead a team to the Super Bowl. This year, year two, first full year under Freddie Kitchens, that's a lot to put on a guy that he's going to outplay Deshaun Watson and Aaron Rodgers, two of the top fantasy quarterbacks out there. This guy is flexing hard, and he did have the best rookie season in terms of touchdowns, but let's just let's pump the brakes. I know he's got confidence I'm not saying he's going to regress from last year. I mean, even in I, 13 I, games I, as a starter, he only ranked 11th as a fantasy starter. I, I, have, fantasy written, I have written down here so many weapons. There's a lot of hype. 4,000 yards, more, 30, 30 plus touchdowns. I mean, he's got good upside for sure, and there's a ton of weapons there. It'd be really hard to mess up what they've got going on. So I believe that he's going to be a great quarterback. I just don't know that I'm ready to put him in this category. And I think that if you're if you're in your league right now and and you're you're in your draft room, these three guys come up. Do not be surprised when someone in your league takes Baker Mayfield over the other two. And it's because they hear Baker's name all the time. They like Baker. The name is sexy, and they want him on their team. You don't have to be that guy. You can be the smart guy. And look at Deshaun Watson, Aaron Rodgers, and Tyler. I'm going to defer to you on this one and see. Uh, you've got this look in your eye, like you, 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 uh, you have the answer of, of all answers here. So what do you got? Well, Aaron Rodgers is going to be my number two guy here. I mean, he's got the new regime. Uh, he needs some young wide receivers to step up this year that everybody's excited about. You know, drafting his sleepers. You got Geronimo Allison. You got Marquez Valdez Scantling. Is Aaron Jones going to be a stud this year? I sure hope so. That's one of my guys. Um, their defense is still not going to be great, so he's likely going to have to play all of the games. He's going to have to engineer comebacks and Hail Marys and do all of that Aaron Rodgers crap. Um, he's just got to have. He's just got to have 
a healthy season, and it, it could be somewhat of a revenge tour for him, uh, you know, from years past. Then, my guy, Deshaun Watson, never got to own him in fantasy yet, honestly. Um, but, I mean, them, them adding Duke Johnson, I mean, there's no chance in hell that Will Fuller plays the full season, so, I mean, you can kind of just already put him on the shelf. But, DeAndre Hopkins, I mean... This guy is poised, if he can stay healthy, to be the number one quarterback in fantasy this year. Wow. Over Patrick Mahomes. Over Patrick Mahomes. I, I think that if he plays a full season, he'll score more fantasy points than Patrick Mahomes because of his rushing upside. I think he's going to get over 600 yards rushing and Ooh. maybe five, six rushing touchdowns. 600 yards? Yep. That's almost that's that's almost double what he's had in his most the most rushing yards he's had in a season is three hundred and sixty nine. We'll find out. That's wild. That's a, that's a that's a hot take if I've ever heard one. It is. Look at look at my notes right here. Hot, hot take. Hot that's take. that's that's absurd. I'm going Aaron Rodgers. Um, here's the deal. Aaron Rodgers threw for almost forty five hundred yards, twenty five touchdowns, and, and only two interceptions last season, and he was hobbled. Um, he wasn't uh he wasn't at 100%. He had his first year with uh Devonte Adams as his number one receiver and Geronimo Allison, Marquez Valdez Scantling yes, said that wrong we last week. Vantes Scalding. Uh Jake Camaro, these guys that um Jimmy Graham, bro, let's Jimmy get him Graham, going. Jimmy Graham, let's I mean, don't, don't sleep on Jimmy. You know, he he's a he's a he's not going to be a, a I'm going to stay asleep cuz unfortunately I just don't know, but I, I would love to get him going honestly. I mean, he's still talented. I still I still, I still might take shots on him at the end, the end of the drafts if he's there just cuz of the upside. But but, but here's the deal. You know, league high 16 completions of 40 plus yards last year. A lot of teams, especially if your league has that big big play bonus like ours does, and, and I highly recommend that you add that into your league if you don't. Just another added variable to the quarterback position. I think that Aaron Rodgers, he's Aaron Rodgers. And until he proves to me that he is not uh, a, a top three quarterback with the potential to be the number one quarterback again, then, I, then I'm going to go with Aaron Rodgers over Deshaun Watson. I will say that... I, I do agree with your your take on Watson and, and how his running game makes him very valuable. That's something that has become, for for fantasy purposes, a, a big deal for quarterbacks. If you can add that variable of, of running the football, it's why Kyler Murray is so popular right now, yeah. even though really and truly Kyler Murray shouldn't be going where he's, he's going. A little too rich. A little too blood. rich, but, but because he can run the football, uh, that you know people are taking the risk on him and and I understand that Aaron Rodgers doesn't do that. He doesn't run the ball that much. Um, <clears throat> he has had uh, very similar numbers to – and I was wrong, by the way, a second ago. I was, reading, I was reading Aaron Rodgers' number one rushing season. That's 369 yards. Last season, Deshaun Watson rushed for 550 yards. So I digress. You might be on to something with your 600 yards. But the year before, he only had – well, I guess he only played seven games a year before. But. I'm telling you, man. I mean, his his rushing is going to be the best of his career if he can play. If he can stay healthy, that's that's one of the things with him. So I I think that I think for sure that's what's going to step it up because there ain't no way that Mahomes is throwing for fifty again. Um, I mean, I don't even know if I think that he'll. I don't even know that I think that he'll throw forty passing touchdowns. I just I just don't know that it'll be necessary. I mean, is he going to have another seven touchdown game? 
I mean, just the, the odds of another one of those Rams, Rams, uh, Chiefs games coming up. I mean, it, there was just a ton of things going right for him, and I still think that offense is going to be the best offense in football. But they just don't. They just aren't going to need that. And I feel like you know. I mean, maybe he's going to hit a little controversy this year. You know, uh, come up, come up to a couple defenses that maybe have an answer to him and. One thing I do want to say about Deshaun Watson is that going into this year, based on last year's defensive numbers, he has the 28th ranked, 28th hardest strength of schedule, 24th hardest during the playoff stretch. Aaron Rodgers, 15th hardest strength of schedule for the year, 5th easiest strength of schedule during the fantasy playoffs. Okay. Well, you heard it here first. Get yourself in the locked into the number one seed with Deshaun Watson and trade him. <laughs> Not bad advice, but go ahead and take my advice and take Aaron Rodgers and go ahead and trust the process, trust the guy that's been doing it for years and, and has no reason that he shouldn't keep doing it. We're going to move on. Our last uh, decision here, if you're in the sixth or seventh round and you're looking at – uh, our last one of the the sixth and seventh round here. You're looking at a, another flex battle. This is probably later in the in the seventh round, mid seventh round area. The first flex battle we looked at was probably early sixth round, uh, middle of sixth round. These are three guys. I, I I'm having a hard time with these three. We got Christian Kirk, Robbie Anderson, Allen Robinson. I, I I'm gonna go ahead and say Allen Robinson's not. I, I don't I don't I'm not in on Allen Robinson. He's three for me. Out, out of I, I think we last. agree on that one. And I think Tyler's going to go Christian Kirk top one here. Am I right? Yep. I, I know Tyler well enough to know that he, he's a big guy on Christian Kirk. I am too. Love Christian Kirk. I think I'm going Robbie Anderson number one. Robbie Anderson's done more than Christian Kirk for sure. He has. And that, that would be my point uh, between the two is that Robbie Anderson has proven himself in, in the NFL. He's proven himself as a deep threat. And more importantly – He's proven himself to be a staple of that offense. Last year, he averaged 11.3 points, fantasy points per game. The year before, 12.5. Last year, he only had six touchdowns, which I think changes as Sam Darnold, who has looked fantastic during camp and preseason. As he gets better, the touchdown opportunities are going to get higher. I think the people around him are not nearly as talented. He's in a, a contract year. I think you're looking at a guy who at one point last week, last year over a three-week stretch had more fantasy points than any wide receiver except for DeAndre Hopkins. That, that's the kind of upside you get with Robbie Anderson. Yeah. Let me ask you something about these three guys. Who's, who's the number one receiver? Who's going to lead the Bears in targets? Tariq Cohen. Tariq Cohen, no. Uh, probably Allen Robinson. Who's going to lead the Jets in targets? Robbie Anderson. Who's going to lead the Cardinals in targets? I think it's going to be close. It's, I think Larry Fitzgerald and Christian Kirk are going to be close, for sure. But I think there's a chance each of these guys are going to be the number one options for their teams. So if you're somebody who went running back heavy early on, don't be scared to take these guys because, like I said, 
the opportunities are going to be there. They're they're each going to be somewhere between 800 and 1,100 yards. And, and I think this is what we talked about earlier on when we talked about the wide receiver depth in this, this draft. This is round seven that you're looking at, and all three of these guys that you could be choosing from are, are the top wide receiver on their team, and all three of them are in offenses that could potentially be top offenses. You look at what Cliff Kingsbury has done in college and, and how that offense has translated in the NFL before with McVay, uh, with – uh, what are some other uh, high-flying offenses like that? But we've seen how the, the NFL has transitioned that way into that direction. So I very, very easily could see the Arizona Cardinals blowing onto the scene, being an incredibly offensive team, and Christian Kirk could be at the center of that. If they are that team, Christian Kirk is the center of that. Yep. The New York Jets, obviously Adam Gase, he, he plays slow traditionally. A lot of people have said it's because that's what he had in Miami. He had to work with that. He's always said he wanted to play faster. But when you look at that team, you've got Le'Veon Bell, you've got Robbie Anderson, you've got Sam Darnold, Chris Rondon, a, a tight end who stretches the field. This um, could be a joke of a comment, but they did bring in Ty Montgomery after they got Le'Veon Bell. And, they did? I mean, I don't know. I mean, he's going to get something. It's probably not a factor enough to mention, but, I mean, they're, they, they've they got a lot of stuff going on there, and it's not necessarily indicating Robbie Anderson-centric, but he has shown to have a connection with Sam Darnold, and as I said, he'll probably lead them in targets. So, uh, so uh, what's, what's your argument for Kirk over, over Anderson here? Um, I think they've both got red zone appeal. I just, I just think that I, – I just think that Kyler Murray – is gonna potentially have a Baker-like rookie season, but in a full season, and just scrambling around, go up and get it. You know, I I don't know. I just I, I think that they're gonna have a good connection. I think that he's probably gonna have at least eight touchdowns. Um, you know, and it, and it could definitely get to double digits. You know, if he ends up being the guy for for Kyler Murray, and uh, while while Larry Fitzgerald will will do his thing, and I that's that's a guy that that people should not be sleeping on is Larry Fitzgerald. I mean, last year was the first year, really, that he had a slump. He he had been one of the top leaders in receptions in the league for pretty much the all the years before that. So, I, I mean, I, I just think that if Kyler Murray is as advertised, and I know he had a down week last week, I, I just think that the opportunity to get a part of that offense is just too too nice to pass up. All right. That does it for the sixth and seventh round, eighth and ninth round, guys. You're kind of you're in a, a real tough spot there. there. There's not a lot of guys that you know, we think that once you get there, you're hoping that one of these guys that we've just talked about falls over into your lap. I mean, looking at other quarterbacks, maybe, maybe if you yeah. want to go ahead and lock yours up if there was a run. Uh, may, you know, don't draft a defense, please. No, don't no. draft a kicker because no, you won't have the same defense. You might have the same kicker at the end of the year because you know what? It's not freaking worth streaming your damn kicker so i mean your defense you're gonna drop them you're gonna have two you're gonna play matchups so don't don't waste your time getting the bears or whoever but we're gonna look at three backup running backs in round 10 those backup running backs are daryl henderson kalen balage royce freeman did you see the news today on daryl henderson somebody reporting something on it i did not they reported that they expect to get him 9 to 12 oh, touches oh, per game. Oh, you're right. You're right. Yeah, I did see that. Yes, yes. That's flex appeal 
before Gurley even has his knee flare up. I, I mean, Henderson's might he might not have been my one prior to that news, honestly, because if he was just going to be a backup and coming in for you know one or two series in a game, if they are saying they want to actively get him nine to twelve touches per game. That's already a guy that you could throw in your flex in a pinch and feel fine about it with the upside of potentially being an RB1 whenever, whenever Todd Gurley's knee swells up and uh, they've got to lean on Henderson. Tyler, real quick before we go any further, breaking news, Michael Crabtree and Arizona Cardinals looking at a contract deal. Does that change your opinion on Christian Kirk and Robbie Anderson? I mean, it uh, – it, it tempers a little bit your expectations maybe for his red zone upside, and it definitely brings them closer. Um, it might. It might. I, I would definitely have a much tougher decision. It would depend on it would depend on how I looked at receiver. Oh, if I wanted more upside, if I wanted, if I wanted more upside, then I would I would probably go Kirk still, but if I felt like I it was a guy that I needed to seriously have in my lineup every week guaranteed, then I, I would maybe go Robbie Anderson. Okay, back to back to round ten. I uh I don't trust I just don't trust the Rams backfield situation. People have talked about Malcolm Brown, uh Todd Gurley's Todd Gurley, and that situation is very volatile on its own. I I think uh I'm looking at Kalen Balazs here. I do like Royce Freeman even more than Daryl Henderson. Royce Freeman was actually not bad last year. In terms of his numbers, and I think uh, – do you have some numbers for me you want to share? Cause you're well, what, like, I was, what I was going to say this, was – Tyler faced, gets this look on his face uh, like when he's about to – When I got something to say. Uh, he, he, faced, he faced stacked boxes in very predictable situations that he was brought onto the field for. He really wasn't given – a fair shake, and and rightfully so, because Philip Lindsay was amazing last year. He did great. I mean, there was no reason that they they needed to force Royce Freeman in there. But I think this year they're going to give it more of a more of a fifty fifty and uh, try to give Royce Freeman every opportunity to get that job back. But last year, I mean, you know, they brought him in in very predictable situations that just weren't going to set him up for for the best case scenario and. I think that ultimately, having spent a third-round draft pick on Royce Freeman, they're they're going to want to see him more involved. So it could end up just, you know, them both being not great options. But he's not a bad guy to take a look at here. But that being said, he's he's my third guy out of these three. Uh, I definitely am feeling Kalen Balage and what's going on there in Miami. I mean, he's got the explosiveness, and so does Kenyon Drake. But Kenyon Drake's a little banged up. Kalen Balazs could just uh, take advantage of his opportunities and get in there. See, and that's why I'm going with Balazs. I will say with when it comes to Freeman, I was big on Freeman coming into college last year. I, I drafted him pretty high last year, probably higher than I needed to uh, coming out of college. I, I, 5.94 yards per carry at Oregon. The guy has was a true workhorse at Oregon. He was a freak in preseason last year. I was pissed whenever you whenever you drafted him. I yeah, wanted to Tyler trade, was trade actually, everything He was us. extremely mad at me for that. And and I, and I should have traded him. It would have made me look pretty smart. I, but I, I, I honestly didn't I even offered, I didn't even know that Philip Lindsay was on the roster. I wrote a piece last year on rookies. Uh, I've written a, some. I write recaps weekly, and, and I've written some some different pieces on on rookies and players like that. And 
I didn't even know who Philip Lindsay was when I wrote my rookie preview on Royce Freeman last year. But, I mean, you're looking at a guy with 4'5 speed, uh, 6'2", 229, great size. He has the, the everything you want in a great running back, except now he's lost the thing you want most, and that's opportunity. So I, I, I think that if something were to happen and Royce Freeman were to start to get more touches, I, would, I wouldn't be shocked to see him emerge as a committee with Philip Lindsay. I think last year they just rode the hot hand, and, and it was under a different, uh, different coaching regime. You know, these new guys coming in, you know, under, I know Fangio is more of a defensive guy, but you never know uh, how, they, how they're going to use Royce Freeman this year. But I'm going with Kalen Bellage simply because it was already a hotly debated topic as to who was going to get the job there and Kenyon Drake and Kalen Bellage. And Drake had the obvious – he was obviously ahead on the depth chart, and, and, but you knew that Bellage was going to get his chance. He was going to get an opportunity. He was going to get touches during the game. The 9-12 to that Henderson was going to get, I think you could have easily expected that for Kalen. Uh, however, with Drake out – You've got a guy with an opportunity to cement himself as the starter for the rest of the year. Because here's when I know that if, if he comes out in, in weeks one and two and has two great games and Kenyon Drake comes back, they're not going to put Kenyon Drake above him. Well, here's the problem. Ryan Fitzpatrick's going to start. He's going to throw for 500 yards in each of those first two games. And Kalen Balazs just isn't going to get that much work. They're not in Tampa Bay anymore. <laughs> they're not in Tampa Bay anymore, man. I'm just saying, I think that Devontae the offer- Parker. Oh, <laughs> You heard it here first. Devontae Parker, the first two weeks, draft him, trade him. But, but I just don't – I think that in terms of opportunity for the rest of the year, you got to go with Kalen Balazs. He has the best route to a starting job of the three of these guys. And for me, in round 10, if I can get a guy who could potentially be his, his team's starting running back, get 15 to 18 touches a game, I'm taking that guy. And I, and I think that that's where Balazs is – that's where his ceiling is. His ceiling is a – uh, comfortable RB2 flex guy starting for the Miami Dolphins, and, and that's better than uh, backup to Philip Lindsay and a backup to Todd Gurley. That's fair. So we're not going to get into on the clock for the last, uh, you know, those, those late rounds. What we are going to do is Tyler and I are going to offer you four guys who we might be looking and probably will look to take late round flyers on. Tyler, I'm going to let you grab the first one. All right, all right. We're going to speed things up here. My, my first one is going to be Devin Singletary. I mean, he's behind LaShawn McCoy, Frank Gore, TJ Yeldon. It's a crowded backfield for him to have to sift through, but I think that he's got the highest upside of any of those guys there at this point. He was a third-round pick. You don't really know how the Bills' uh, year is going to pan out, but I think that um, you know midway through the season, we're going to find that Devil, Devin, Singl- Devin Singletary is going to be finding his way into the – starting lineup and more touches. I'm with you on that. I think that uh, the just would, same reason I just said I would take Balazs because there's an opportunity for him to be a, a starter and it's not out of the realm that it's going to happen. I think the same thing for Singletary. However, my first one, also on the Bills, John Brown. John Brown had three top 20 weekly finishes last year. He is a, a burner. His, his average depth of targets easily uh, number one on that, that Buffalo Bills team. He likes to catch long passes. So we saw it in Buffalo uh, we saw it in Baltimore. That's his M.O. He's a deep threat. And guess who his quarterback is? It's Josh Allen, who has the fourth highest average distance per throw last season. He can't throw anything short accurately or long accurately. but he Poor can, Cole Beasley. <laughs> but he can throw the ball deep. And if he can just throw it long and let John Brown run onto it a few times, 
you're looking at a guy that in in the he's going in the round in twelfth round. You get a guy like John Brown in the twelfth round that you could plug in here and there and get you some big points. I'm okay with that. Yeah, that's fair. Uh, I I think next I'm going another guy that I got on my radar. You'll probably around the ten to twelve round range. If I haven't gotten a quarterback yet, which it's likely that I won't, I'm going with my boy, with, with my boy Dak Prescott. Dak gets a lot of flack, from me included. You don't even like Dak. I do like Dak. I love Dak. Uh, shout out to Chris out there. Buddy Chris, if he's listening, I do, love, I do love Dak. I don't think that Dak is worth $40 million. However, in terms of fantasy production, he's probably the most overlooked guy, and it's because of you know the way the Cowboys play football, the way we play slow. People don't really notice how good he's been fantasy-wise, but he's totaled 23, 22, and 22 passing touchdowns in his three seasons in the NFL. And then added six rushing touchdowns each year. So it's 28 to 29 touchdowns a year. Fourth in fantasy over the final nine weeks last year with Amari Cooper. Give me Dak Prescott in round 12, and, and I'm a happy camper. Hey, shout out to my guy Chris out there. All right, uh, let, me, let me get going on my next, my next one here. And it's Darwin Thompson. We talked about the, uh, the news on Carlos Hyde earlier. Darwin Thompson was a sixth-round pick out of Utah State. Um, he's... He had great college efficiency, albeit in limited work. I mean, I, I just jotted down a couple notes here. I mean, he had 176 touches, 16 touchdowns, 18.3 yards after catch. He's a guy that would work perfectly for the Chiefs and what they're doing. And I just think that should Damian Williams falter, that guy is going to be there and ready to swoop in on that. And that's just that's another one of those opportunities – in a great offense that you might just want to go ahead and grab a lottery ticket and watch what happens. Uh, My next guy that we talked about also in the beginning in the news is DK Metcalf. He's going to be dropping even more because of his knee surgery. Um, They scoped it out. They didn't really find anything was up in there. He's going to miss a few weeks. He may or may not be ready to start the season. Um, He's a guy with Doug Baldwin getting out of there. Russell Wilson, I mean, he just he makes magic happen. DK just being an athletic freak, he's going to be a red zone target. I I've just I really want to grab a piece of that, and you know, like like we said, I mean, these sleepers and breakouts. I mean, they're at this point in the draft, they're lottery tickets. You're not even expecting anything from them. You just want to see what happens, and and that that's a guy that I that I'd love to grab a piece of in the late rounds. I think even later, you're looking probably 13, 14th round here. I'm going Matt Breida. I, I like the San Francisco offense. Kyle Shanahan has has produced two running backs that are fantasy relevant at the same time uh, when he had Devonta Freeman and Tevin Coleman. Matt Breida last year averaged 5.3 yards per carry in 153 carries. Season before, 4.5 yards per carry. The guy can run the football. Uh, and, and I understand Tevin Coleman's started there. I'm, I'm big on Tevin Coleman as well. Bold strategy. Uh. I, it is, but I think it works out because if something were to te- happen to Tevin Coleman, who is who has been injury prone, who has uh, had injury issues in the past, something happens to him, Matt Breida slides in and has proven that he is a, a, a RB2 a fill-in. And I think that if given the opportunity, he's going uh, to be an RB2 if he gets the chance to fill in. And I think no matter what, he has flex – capabilities uh no matter what happens to to Tevin Coleman he's proven it so much that even whenever they had Jarek McKinnon and Breida filled in that they still felt the need to go get Coleman I don't know man I'm not, not in I'm on not it in on that wow that's all right you can go ahead and lose your fantasy season uh 
And my last one's going to be Geronimo Allison. Not a lot to say here other than that he's the number two receiver in Green Bay. I'm big on Aaron Rodgers this year. What about Marquez Vantes Scalding? Valdez. Scantling. Oh, dang it. Yeah. <laughs> For those of you who want to play back the tape, Tyler now has also messed up that name. It's actually a pretty difficult name. <laughs> no, I just repeated exactly nah, how you messed, you messed it up it, last no, you, week. You definitely messed it up. That's Bull. That's it's okay. It's on tape, man. Everybody heard it. You, you don't know his name either. It's all right. Yeah, but Val, that's the point. Valdez we don't know Scant- his name. It's Valdez Scantling versus Vantez Scalding. I think Geronimo Allison's the, the number two guy there. If he is the number two guy there, and Aaron Rodgers is back in in full go, the number two receiver in Green Bay has traditionally been a, easily a wide receiver two of flex play weekly. So I don't see any reason why you would why you would pass on a guy like Geronimo Allison who's fallen pretty far into the double digit rounds. I, I if he's there for me in the eleventh or twelfth round, even you know if if I'm lucky to see him in the thirteenth, but eleventh or twelfth round, I'm taking Geronimo Allison. That's fair, and so I'm going to wrap up mine with uh, just just a draft strategy that I usually rock with anyway. So these are some guys that I'm going to be looking at, and uh, that's. Veteran tight ends. I like to wait on my tight ends. I'll take shots. I mean, because I'm not one to wrap up one of the elite guys with my early round picks. So I'm going to be taking shots. Guys I'm looking at are guys like Greg Olson, who from 2012 to 2016 was over 800. From 2014 to 2016 was over 1,000. Now, obviously, the past couple seasons, he's had a foot issue that's bothered him, and it's it's ruled him out of a lot of games. But, I mean... He's, he's going to step right in there with the same rapport that he's had with Cam Newton, and it's literally just going to be about health. So if you're just looking to take a shot, maybe maybe you did lock up a guy early, but you just want to draft another tight end. I mean, this is a guy that you can look at. Um, Delaney Walker is another one. Of them. I mean, I, I'm looking at these guys to rebound this year. Delaney Walker had four straight 800-plus yard seasons. He rarely misses games. Uh, I mean, these guys are going in the 14th, 15th rounds. I mean, they're hardly even drafted. And then Jordan Reed. This is the first camp that I can ever even remember that Jordan Reed doesn't have injury issues bugging him. And He's literally glass. Yeah, I mean, so talking about really throwing a dart, I mean, he's a guy that's a matchup nightmare and that could really change your team whenever he does play. And it's been proven. Whenever he does play – regardless of the circumstances that surround him, he produces. Uh, before we go, I do want to throw one guy out there. He's not going to go draft in your league, but keep an eye on him. His name is Dare Ogunbowale. Ogunbowale is a – right now he is a running back for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. If Jones stays hurt and this guy has been shining in camp, do not be surprised if he takes over a role and gets the chance to get those touches out of the Tampa Bay backfield that we've been talking about. Well, that wraps it up here for, for uh, our second podcast. I want to uh, – we're not going to get 